time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Tuesday, July 7th, 2020. Happy 7 and 7 day for all of you uh, cocktail drinkers out there. Uh, All kidding aside, I do have some topics to talk about today. Man, a few things that are on my mind. You know, I, I come up with ideas in the weirdest ways. I've told you guys before that sometimes I just sit around and, and just write ideas down as they pop into my head. I have found that going out on walks uh, is not only a good thing that I need to do a lot more of, but uh, I, I come up with ideas and I and I try to write them down as they, as they pop into my head. I'm usually listening to other podcasts, trying a, a wide variety of topics, really. But uh, I... I I had a few uh, things come to mind the past couple of days that I, I wrote down and, you know, I thought I'd share with you guys. First off, I've, I've been involved in sports like my whole life. And in my adult years, I've had some very interesting, odd jobs, I guess we'll call it, uh, things that uh, are kind of behind the scenes, really. And that's when I got out of, well, I didn't get out of officiating, but uh, kind of as I've as I progressed in officiating and also kind of learned about some more odd jobs and such that are available, uh, I've kind of found uh, and, and was able to take part in a few. Uh, as a few examples, I was fortunate in 2010 to uh, be connected with someone that uh, brought us along to work at Fox Studios to work for Mike Pereira, uh, now Dean Blandino as well. But it's a lot of fun to go down there and assist them in their analysis of college and uh, professional football NFL rules. Uh, it's a, just a blast to be around it. Yeah, we get paid to watch football, but we got to kind of pay attention as well. Uh, basketball, I've worked with some instant replay in college basketball, assisting, running the monitor, uh, doing stuff like that, downloading the game for the officials to have on their iPads. And, and in baseball, I've always been a, an umpire, but I've also, especially it started in college, worked some behind the scenes stuff including, you know, just operating a scoreboard, um, doing a little bit of internet broadcasting play-by-play with the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. I've done some stuff with statistics and just kind of running the program, the software for uh, minorleaguebaseball.com that kind of operates the uh, pitch-by-pitch sequences and play-by-plays online scoreboard, uh, if you will. So I've had a lot of odd jobs that I've been able to contribute to sports kind of behind the scenes, and, and I really like that. But why I bring it up is, you know, Sunday, there wasn't much going on. We had a big 4th of July celebration. I was sitting there, not like glued to the race, but I've started to kind of tune in a little bit more and more to like NASCAR. Uh, again, not a huge fan, but I, but I'm watching it a little bit here and there. Um, <laughs> I was actually two things. Uh, my girlfriend Valerie walked in the room, and I had turned the channel, and it was briefly, and there was some uh, soccer game that was just finishing up, and she goes, "Soccer? What? Who are you?" And I'm like, "What? Well, settle down, settle down. I'm just." 
the race is coming up and uh, I, I'm, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> getting it ready for the, for the NASCAR. And then she was like, wait, NASCAR. I'm like, yeah, I, I, am not a huge fan, but I, I, again, I tune in. I, I told her this, I go, I try to learn something. I, I try to learn and see kind of how a sport operates. And I've done that with plenty of other sports. Uh, I've, I've chimed in and they're not all for me. You know, I've watched some tennis or some golf or some, yes, some soccer and, and those all, those sports aren't for me, but that is actually how I started to get involved more in to like combat sports and fighting. I just kind of tuned, started to tune in more. So anyway, uh, back to my long winded NASCAR story. So I was just there kind of, you know how it is. You kind of put something on and take a nap or whatever. And I was watching the race and there was a ton of accidents and crashes and uh, a bunch of stoppages stoppages they had the red flag out the yellow flag out uh caution and this and that and it got me thinking i was like you know what as far as like random sports jobs that i want there's a few i've already had but there's a few more that i would i would love to have some way or another uh, like the guy, the guy who waves the flag at the car races, no matter what uh, NASCAR or any, whatever it is, uh, you know, he waves the green flag, the white flag, the checkered flag. Like I was like, that'd be pretty cool. Just sit up on the, <laughs> up above the, uh, finish line, starting line, whatever. And, and just uh, hey, what, what color flag? Okay. Yeah, no problem. And just wave it. I was like, that'd be really cool. Uh, the pace car driver guy that kind of, you know, drives the, the cars around, uh, you know, when there's a caution out or, or whatever the case may be. I was like, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, get away from racing a little bit. Uh, big hockey guy, right? I've, I've gotten into hockey the past few years. I would love to be the guy uh, that, that's kind of like uh, the penalty box official or, you know, the guy that opens the door and kind of monitors the time and then so while you're sitting there and then he opens the door and lets you out type of thing. I was like, I think that would be really cool. These are, again, little random jobs, total random thoughts of mine uh, of jobs. I would love to... Uh, to do or take part in um, a couple, a couple things here with uh, like boxing MMA. I, I, I would love to learn more about how to be a judge, not a referee necessarily, although that would be a lot of fun too. And we've already kind of talked about that, but, um, but, but yeah, being a judge, one of the three judges ringside that, uh, you know, there's usually controversy uh, with, with some of the scoring and everything, but I thought that would be cool. And the last one I came up with was, uh, I, I'm not sure who the people are. I probably should have done a little more research on this, but some of the people that work like with the Olympics, um, the, the, the people that, you know, present the medals or uh, just, just things behind the scenes. I think that would be really cool from a, a global standpoint, really. You know, just just helping out in sports uh, wherever. So those are my random thoughts this morning on sports and just some weird, odd, uh, total random uh, jobs that I'm like, you know what? I, I seem to uh, like this this part time behind the scenes uh, sports work. So those are some of the things that got me uh, thinking the other day. Uh, here's a few other thoughts I have today. Um, first of all, on Monday, the uh, big news in the NFL was the Patrick Mahomes deal. 10-year deal, 10-year extension, I should say. And uh, some of the, the numbers, uh, the, the, some of the numbers and the, the dollar amount is, is uh, you've heard conflicting numbers and such, but uh, it's definitely over $450 million, uh, not only making him obviously the highest paid pair in the NFL, but uh, higher paid than uh, the highest paid athlete of, of any sport. And I think Mike Trout had the that title for a little while uh, when he signed his deal last year. So 
$400 million. I mean, the salaries, they just continue to go up, man. I mean, where does it end? Does it ever end? Are we talking about uh, a billion dollar deal, you know, in 10 years from now? It's just crazy, man. I mean, uh, the, the sports generate so much money and yeah, the highest uh, or the, the best players are going to make the most money, but man, it, it's just a crazy world, man. And bit money and business, you got to remember that at the end of the day, that, that these professional leagues are businesses. And there's even some arguments with, with colleges too, that some of the college and the conferences, it's all business, it's all money. And so some of my arguments recently about some of the political things going on in sports or that are projected to go on in sports. I think people need to realize that, Hey, it's a business and you can never forget that, you know, certain things are not acceptable uh, at businesses because uh, it affects business. So I'm curious to see where these summer months go with, uh, with athletes, you know, expressing themselves with a lot of the things going on. And obviously with the upcoming football season, it is, it is going to affect business one way or another, whether you like it or not, too. Uh, you know, these things shouldn't be about money, but they are. So at the end of the day, that that is uh, always a factor uh, in, in these sports is that uh, it's a big money, big business. So we, I don't think we can ever forget that. Um, moving off of sports for a little bit. Uh, you know, I was thinking the other day, you know, people go to gyms to get like stronger muscles, you know, they try to get in better shape and everything. And, and, you know, we maybe go to school, although colleges, I think are a little corrupt, but you you go for kind of, you try to be informed and educated, right. For maybe a stronger mind. In what ways do people get stronger feelings? Because feelings are so sensitive these days. And I can't, I can't figure it out. I'm trying to think, is it just a lack of, of toughness from fathers and, and men or, or I mean, it's not just a man thing, but it's like, there's just this, this complete uh, lack of just toughness and sensitive feelings, man. How do, does anybody have any suggestions? You lift weights for stronger muscles. How can we get some stronger feelings out there? I mean, I've been offended by things, but not, I'm not like overly offended. I, I I don't like when people, you know, attack some of the things I believe in. But again, I'm not uh, I don't think I'm this ultra sensitive guy. It just seems like there's way more sensitivity. And, and that's not always a bad word. But I think <laughs> the way I'm using it, it, it is there's just a lack of 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 not strong feelings anymore. Like everything somebody says is hurts your feelings. It's like, OK, well, <laughs> When you're a little kid, that's understandable. But man, as an adult, like, okay, they said something mean to you or you're offended or hurt by this. I don't know. I mean, we've been kind of saying these similar topics the past few weeks because of where we're at in, in society. And, and it's just something I've been thinking about a lot of how do we make people stronger? Or uh, it can't just be, well, maybe there's just too many insensitive people. I, I don't think that's the case, <laughs> but I'm sure there are a few. But I think, again, it's not the norm. So anyway, again, I'm rambling here. I'm just throwing ideas out. We lift weights to get stronger muscles. How in the world do we get stronger feelings? If anyone is open, <laughs> has an idea, I'm, I'm all ears. Uh, a couple of other things here I, I wrote down and, and just, you know, relationships. I see some people that get in relationships. And at one point, I definitely was one of these people they get in relationships 
for like this comfort. They, they, they're not in it just to like, full, to be in it full time. Cause they really enjoy being around the other person. It's just like, uh, as an example, for me, I, I was kind of, I was single for a long time and I would go on dates here and there, but I reached a point where I hadn't really found anyone really interested in me and I was trying, but I was never very good at that whole, I don't know, having game or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I just kind of like settled. I was like, well, this girl's kind of interested in me. Uh, I guess I'll, I haven't had a girlfriend in a long time. Let me, yeah, let's try it out. And it was a terrible idea and it didn't go well. And it was bad for me from the very beginning. Um, and so I had to learn some lessons there and not only not settling, but not just doing something to do it, not just have a girlfriend just because it's what you're supposed to do. Not just, you know, being happy. Some people, I think they, they maybe get in a relationship because they're like, well, this is a status thing. They're not really happy. They want to do other things. Uh, it, I don't know. That, that That's just my take for today is a thought. It's like, man, uh, everyone's got to go on their own journey, of course, and learn their lessons. I've made mistakes and, and lessons that uh, I am glad I learned, <laughs> but it was hard at the time. And I am far from the perfect person, especially in relationship stuff. I'm very fortunate now that I'm uh, with somebody that, again, I, I, I've talked to a few people about this, but, you know, Valerie uh, makes me better in the sense that uh, there's a challenge to each other, but at the same time, we let each other each other be who we are. Um, she appreciates me for who I am. I don't have to pretend to be anyone else. And there's, and there's no real interest for me, you know, to, to, uh, I don't know. I I'm fulfilled. I don't have this. Uh, I enjoy, for instance, she doesn't like sports that much, but she'll watch sports with me sometimes, or we'll go do something that maybe she likes to do. It's just fun being with her, being around her. And I'm not trying to turn this into a love connection or anything, but I just, in talking with a few friends recently about relationships and, you know, it, it was like, I heard from some guys, well, people are never actually happy. I'm like, well, that's not true. Like, I think you're looking for something else and you're just kind of being involved in something just to be involved in something. So but, uh, those are, again, these are very random thoughts I come up with and kind of just, there's no real rhyme or reason to them. Uh, but as they come up in my life, I like to chat about it. So I think some people dive into relationships just to be in it. Uh, they don't really uh, enjoy being around a person. Uh, I was as guilty as that as possible, but I couldn't be happier now uh, with my situation. And uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I think we always have this, uh, this mentality of like instant gratification in today's world. What's next? Who should I, what should I do? Who should I be with? What box do I check uh, on this, uh, this fake checklist that exists uh, apparently in in life. And, and, you know, there is no rhyme or reason. There's no order to these things either. Uh, one final thought this morning that I will throw out to you guys is big news over the weekend was that uh, UFC 251, the big fights this weekend on Fight Island, uh, the main event was uh, affected a little bit. Uh, the the challenger uh, in, in Burns, he was uh, affected with the coronavirus. He got pulled off the card. Well, uh, Jorge Masvidal is uh, a very polarizing uh, guy. He is somebody that uh, if you haven't heard of him, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't seen him fight, he is just very interesting. He, he, I mean, 
He's worth the price of admission to me. So uh, he decided, yeah, I'll take the fight on six days notice. He's a guy that just, he's been around. He's a grinder. He just wants to get paid good money. The UFC came out and said, hey, okay, we're going to pay you. We're going to pay you uh, the money that you'd like or close to it. And Jorge Masvidal on six days notice is taking the fight, going up against Kamaru Usman, who is the current welterweight champion. And if you guys don't care about UFC or you guys don't tune into this stuff, I totally get it. I didn't either for a long time. But I got to tell you, this weekend, Saturday, on Fight Island out in Abu Dhabi, the uh, UFC is really going to put on quite a show. There's three title fights. And the big news is that Jorge Masvidal is going to fight Kamaru Usman, who is uh, one heck of a fighter in himself. But these two guys absolutely hate each other. Jorge Masvidal has the fastest knockout in UFC history. That was about a year ago. And uh, he's just a very entertaining guy. He's uh, he's a grinder. He's, he's, from, he's a Miami guy. He's just he's tough as nails. And Usman's no joke either. So I couldn't be more happy that that fight is going down. Uh, God willing, of course, with all the testing and things that they got to do. But Saturday night, cannot wait for that fight. I will talk about it probably all week. Uh, a few of my friends are really into UFC, and we are going to be definitely getting together on this weekend, this Saturday, to watch all the fights, but especially that one. Uh, just a very entertaining. If you've never watched UFC before or it's never really been your thing, uh, I, I think this weekend – if you checked it out, it's pay-per-view, of course, but if you, if you were to check it out, I think you might be entertained a little bit. I know I have over the years, and I've talked a little bit more about combat sports than I ever thought I would, but that is just something that I'm looking forward to. And I think for any sports fan, I think you can appreciate it if you were to uh, chime in and, and check out that fight. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping it lives up to the uh, to the buildup, but we'll see what happens on Saturday night. Kamaru Usman against Jorge Masvidal. Can't wait for that. Well, guys, today on the program, we have Jordan Ross. He's a firefighter, L.A. City firefighter. Been doing it since 2008, give or take, I think. Uh, we talk about all that stuff in the interview, but I was actually at Jordan's graduation from the Fire Academy. That was such a long time ago, and it feels like yesterday. Uh, he's been in the department a long time now. He's worked at so many different houses. He's going to talk to us about what uh, life is like in the firehouse, uh, just what it's like, what the mindset is like sitting around kind of waiting for something to happen and, and just kind of tell us, you know, that they keep it loose uh, at the firehouse usually. And uh, just tell us about what it's like as a fire, as a firefighter and also the correlation, or I should say the relationship with law enforcement. Um, Jordan, <laughs> he actually recorded with me while he was at the fire station. And <laughs> in the middle of our interview, he actually got called to uh, to a call so uh, it's right about halfway he goes oh I gotta go and I'm like okay man go do your thing <laughs> we'll talk to you in a minute so he comes back and we finish the interview so I thought that was pretty funny uh, but definitely check it out uh, he's a good friend of mine we played against each other in youth sports and carry youth league we became teammates in junior high we graduated together in 2003 uh, just a good guy a good family man, three beautiful children, a wonderful wife, Yesenia. Can't say enough about them. Uh, they don't live too far from me. Uh, unfortunately, don't get to see them too often, but we're trying to fix that up and uh, maybe see each other more often. So you guys will like this interview. Let's get right to it. Mr. Firefighter Jordan Ross, my very good friend. We'll take a quick break and then we'll get right back to our interview with Jordan Ross. Jordan Ross. 
Okay, today we are joined by Jordan Ross. He is a member of the LA City Fire Department. He's been in the department since 2008. He's currently an engineer uh, for the LA Fire Department. And uh, I remember being at his graduation day. It was a long time ago, but a lot of fun. And it's been great to see what he's grown into. Uh, I grew up with Jordan uh, playing against each other as we were kids in Care Youth League, but then we were teammates in RHP, Rio Hondo Prep, had some great memories there. And I'm just uh, thrilled to be able to talk with him. He's a good friend. Uh, it's fun to catch up with him. So we're going to try to do that today, and I'm looking forward to it. So Jordan Ross, welcome to the program, my friend. Hey, Maddie, how's it going? Good to be here. Awesome, man. Well, Jordan, have you had a chance to listen to uh, the, any podcasts? Uh, I know you're a busy man, you know, working working in the firehouse, but uh, any, any opportunities to listen to the podcast in the car or whatever? Oh, man, you know I try. You know, uh, between work, family, Work and family, really, you know, just trying to keep afloat. Uh, I drive a beater into work, and that's main, the most of the time where I'm in on the road. And I, since I drive a beater, I don't have the opportunity to listen to your podcast as much as I should. But whenever I'm in my nice truck, uh, I'll get some podcasts under my belt. And I have, I have uh, enjoyed them down, uh, down memory lane, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. Uh, it's been so fun catching up with people. And, you know, Jordan, like – Take, take our friendship, for instance, you know, you're someone I, I try to talk to, you know, every once in a while, but we're just, we're busy guys. You're, you're more busy with, uh, than, than I am having the, uh, you know, the, the job far away and, and three young kids and everything. But, uh, you know, it's fun to catch up with you. So I thought what better way to do it than, than on a podcast here, uh, because I definitely want to talk about your experiences in the fire department. We grew up together, as I said, uh, being teammates at Rio, and those are some of the best years uh, that I look back on. But, uh, you know, after high school, you you got into uh, UCLA. You went to UCLA. Uh, we were all fired up for you, man, because uh, that's a real good school. And, uh, you know, at some point at UCLA, you decided to become uh, a firefighter or to pursue firefighting. So can you tell me, what was that process like? Did that just happen randomly one day while you were at UCLA? Was there other plans or did it just kind of, it just kind of be like, you know what, this, this could be something uh, to get into that I would really enjoy. Uh, no, it was definitely not random. It was kind of uh, drilled into my head um, for, to answer that question of uh, the reasoning why, I decided to go into the fire service. So, yes, got into UCLA, doing my thing there, trying to do the pre-med major, uh, taking classes, um, you know, getting to see uh, my competition, who needs to get, who's going to go into med school and stuff. I was prepping for the MCAT. Uh, the MCAT is a, a test that you take, a standardized test that um, basically allows you to get into medical school. And roughly when I was taking it, it was on a scale of uh, zero to 45, uh, three, three different fields, three different sections of 15 uh, points possible in each section. So you can max scores 45. I spent all summer basically studying for this MCAT. I lost my summer. This is after I had graduated in 2007. I lost like my whole summer gone studying. Everyone was going to the beach, doing their thing. Uh, so I was studying. And uh, I take the test down in San Diego um, and I walk out of the test. I was like, oh, my gosh, um, I think I might need to change a profession because <laughs> I was like, there's no way I, I am going to do so good. Right. So the uh, results come back. 
I get like a 28 or something or a 27. Like basically you need like a 30 to be competitive uh, and get into a, uh, a, a United States school. And keep in mind, like I said, I lost my whole summer studying. Um, 28, I could apply to the Caribbean, right? And really pursue that path. And uh, I called one of my friends from UCLA. I said, hey, bud, uh, I got my score. Uh, how'd you do? And this guy was a biochemistry, a double major, biochemistry and music. So he's all, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I did it, came and went. I'm all, all right, well, what'd you get? He's all, 42. I'm like, you, <laughs> son of a gun. <laughs> 42 is like the top three percentile. And I'm like, hey, did you study? He's all, no, no. I just, you know, I just took it. And I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? I lost a whole summer. I'm like in the bottom of like, you know, acceptance. I can't imagine how hard it would be to now go to med school. So I was like, Hey, just leave uh, those doctor decisions up to the smart people. And uh, they're going to have a more comprehensive look at all the medicine and all that stuff. So they would be better doctors. That's what I kind of decided. And plus I was working at Methodist hospital and the doctors there were like telling me, I was like, Hey, firefighter or uh, doctor. They're like, dude, be a firefighter, man, go be a firefighter. Because they were like, if I had a chance to do it over again, I'd be a firefighter. And I'm like, all right, well, that was in the back of my mind, too. So after talking to, you know, other people, our classmate, uh, Paul and stuff, he kind of guided me. And uh, what I was drawn to about the fire service, and I know you are, too, is basically the team-oriented aspect of it and the ability to serve. Those two things were ingrained in us young, right? You know, Mm -hmm. since... uh, like you were saying, we grew up in Care Youth League, got that team aspect, and also the ability to serve. Um, fire department is a blue-collar job, and you're serving uh, the community. You know, you're a, an employee of the citizens of the the city you work for. So um, being from Care Youth League and the ability to serve in what we did growing up um, from coaching, giving extra time coaching and giving up time in college, the fire department, being able to work hard in the fire department and have success in the fire department was easy because of the background and the foundation that uh, Care Youth League and Rio Hondo Prep instilled. And you know that uh, a lot of people speak to that. And it's uh, it's uh, it definitely was a blessing. And yeah, so I'm here now. And uh, like I said, I was drawn to the team and the ability to serve in the fire department. And I, I also like the fact that I could work out at work. So that's pretty cool. Trying to taste it. <laughs> but well, there you go. Yeah, you know, you hear it all about firefighters and how, oh, they just sit around all day and they just, you know, they just work out and then they cook and then, oh, every every now and then there's a, they got to go save a cat out of a tree or something. But no, oh, that I, reminds me, I have saved, saved the cat out of the tree. Oh my God. <laughs> no, but, but all seriousness, Jordan, it, it is a dangerous job. I mean, there's dangerous moments. I mean, do you remember, I mean, uh, you know, I always loved your parent. You guys live close, uh, close to Rio. So we were over at your place a lot. Um, your mom was always trying to feed us. Uh, you know, your dad yeah. was a funny guy. What was it like when you told your parents like, Hey, I'm not going to pursue the medical school thing anymore. I'm going to go be a firefighter. I mean, did they, were they welcoming to that or were they a little concerned? So basically when I, uh, by, so 2007 is when I took the MCAT, maybe like the end of, so the summer, no, I lost all summer. So 2008, I took the MCAT that summer. And basically I was like, uh, I, I, I saw the writing on the wall when I was studying really hard for this. And I had already put in an application for LA city and like 
I was jointly pursuing medical and uh, the fire department. And then when the results came back for the MCAT and then I, and then I told my parents, I was already farther in the process with the fire departments. Like, hey, mom, dad, I got to interview fire department. I'm going to be a paramedic, all that stuff. I, I put that in the seat. So uh, as far as them, you know, my mom never really voiced any opposition to it. Um, she just, as long as it was something I wanted to do, you know, and uh, always wanted me to be safe. And my dad, they're the same way. They were, they were both very supportive um, in that regard. They were never... Um, Oh, you never, you shouldn't do that. You should, uh, you know, uh, think about another profession. No, I never got that from them. They were very, always very supportive and, you know, and, uh, I, I had everything lined up, you know, so <laughs> without their support, it was, it was, uh, carrying on, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, oh, no, definitely. And I had never been to a, a fire, a fire fighter graduation and we went to yours. Uh, yeah, that was awesome, huh? Oh man, you guys put on a show like you're, you're setting fires and putting them out, and your ladders everywhere it was this uh, orchestrated uh, event, really. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is all just practice stuff. This isn't even real life. And it was like, man, this this looks dangerous. But they all seem so cohesive in their uh, in their teamwork and everything. So that really stood out to me. Yeah, you know, it's the more the more and more I look back at our profession, the more and more I see how much of a not not necessarily skill that it takes, but just um, dedication, you know, like uh, commitment to the craft type of deal. And uh, yeah, anyone could pull a hose line and do that, but to be proficient at it, to be um, uh, efficient at it is another thing. And, you know, we practice that, that tower is 16 weeks. We practice 16 weeks of every type of evolution in different ways, you know, and you, you, you become, it becomes ingrained in you because, it's almost like paramilitary. That's what uh, LA city prides themselves in being like paramilitary. So like, and you know, we've all seen shows like, um, on TV where like your mind and your body, they're separate, but they're the same, but they're kind of separate, right? Your, your mind could be somewhere else, but your body just continues to function. And you know, that's how, that's how I feel like it ingrained in, in the fire department. It is like those movements become second nature. You're not even thinking just like, uh, just like sports, you know, when you practice enough, it becomes second nature and then your mind can do whatever. <laughs> well, well, let me ask you a question about, uh, you know, TV shows and the depiction, how real it is. One of my favorite shows is rescue me uh, with uh, Dennis Leary. And I know he did quite a bit of research and, you know, that was about New York firefighters, but right. you know, you don't have to get into all the, the, the stuff and personal lives that they had and everything, but just from a standpoint of guys in the firehouse, I mean, we've all seen it on TV specifically like that show, but I mean, is the everyday life in a firehouse, is it a lot like you see portrayed on TV or kind of what are some of the things maybe that, that stand out just from everyday life in a firehouse? You know, there's been a lot of growth in my 11 years on the job. Uh, and, and that go that attributes to everything from life experiences that happened to you, your upbringing, to all that stuff. But you know, I look at things very differently now than I did when I first got on. Um, maybe when I first got on, I was just like, "Nah, that's not how it is." The, those dramas, right? Those life situations of <laughs> alcohol abuse or um, relationship issues. When I was young on the job, 22, 23, right, that was that was an issue. I was focused on the job and doing everyday 
you know, work. That was my thing. Work, have fun off the job, but no issues like that. So those dramas that are portrayed in uh, like TV, I mean, now I have 11, 12 years on and you see coworkers that go through custody battles. You see alcohol abuse. I've been through uh, suicides on the job. I've had three suicides for uh, line of duty. And, you know, it just it hits closer to home now. And now being a father, all that stuff, just um, it, it's real, man. Like all that's all those emotions they play on. Uh, they're real every day. Uh, maybe not, but they actually actuate accentuate the fact that it is happening you know uh whether all that stuff so i i feel like when i first came on the job i was an emotional infant and now with the stuff i've seen and been exposed to and also my wife yesenia is pretty uh she's pretty awesome so she she has helped me grown tremendously as far as just you know different perspectives um making up for strengths where I lack weaknesses wise, you know, as far as whether it's uh, um, in relationships and, you know, I see, I see it with you, you know, like I always try to keep in touch with you and um, I want to, I want to put in that work, you know, and that's something when we were younger, it kind of by, by proximity, we were together. Right. But now that we're older, it's like, you understand that friends, you know, it takes work and uh, I don't know. So the firehouse, I've come a long way and in, in emotional growth, I believe, but uh, it's real. Like any of those situations and emotions that happen, it's real. You do have to have thick skin and you have to, you have to be able to cook. Cause I've seen, <laughs> I've seen some crazy stuff at the fire station. I've seen someone cook steaks that were so rough that we strapped someone strapped into the bottom of their boots and started wearing them around. It's like, look, new rubber soles for my boots. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> They ordered pizza one time when, as the food came, like the guy was serving food and they, we took, we sat down for like a minute and then the doorbell rings and it's pizza. They were just preemptively striking because this, this guy's meal were terrible. You know, I've seen <laughs> IV fluid started on dry chicken. It's like, Oh my gosh, you have to have thick skin. So either that or you just cook it better, you know? Oh man, I you know IVs, Jordan. Uh, there's some interesting memories with some IVs that uh, you know we don't need to go into details necessarily. But you're hard uh, stick, but <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Where your veins are? They're all they're all gone, man. Yeah. yeah. Or I was, out, was I just learning? I can't remember, man. You were just learning, yeah. Who's? Uh, oh my goodness, was that your bachelor party? I no, was it? I don't remember, man. San Diego, San Diego, right? Yeah. Diego's mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, three nights in San Diego. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jordan was a pretty – brought some fire. I was confident, but uh, the body didn't follow suit, huh? <laughs> Jordan, you've done this before, right? The whole IV thing. Yeah, yeah. Where's your vein? I'm like, in, like, lecture in school, probably not even <laughs> the physical. Oh, yeah. man. Well, we'll move on from that. But, yeah, uh, Jordan Ross and IVs, interesting stuff. Uh, well, <laughs> Jordan, as far as the, yeah, what are some other kind of pranks and just everyday life that goes on at the firehouse? I mean, it, I, I, you said you got to have thick skin, but I got to imagine you got to be watching your back at every turn, right? Yeah. So if you go after people and you uh, work hard in that aspect, you're bound to get it back to you. You know, if you if you're hard on people as far as having high standards, like because in the fire department, you're you're uh you're basically your reputation is 
the quality of work you do and how you leave apparatus and stuff like that. So once that happens, you need to easy Wyatt. Um, sorry, one of my coworkers walking in on me right now. <laughs> but uh, so, like I was saying, um, you have to have thick skin just because uh, if you want to get better, you have to put yourself out there, right? You have to try to make yourself better and uh, put yourself in uncomfortable uncomfortable situations to learn. You have to do manipulative things to learn. But also, you open yourself up to, like, I don't even know how many times I got. I'm like, what the f- Ross, are you kidding me? Like, I'm like, oh, sh- uh, uh, yeah, yes, sir. I'm, yes, this is it. And they're like, are you, you're kidding, right? They're like, you're kidding me. I'm like, no, I'm not. I, I wish I was, but I'm not right now. So stuff like that. You have thick skin and being critiqued, right? And if you have thick skin being critiqued, like, if you can't handle a situation where, uh, you know, 14 grown men are critiquing your movements for a certain uh, job, that a task that we're doing, how are you going to function when uh, literally maybe a family is watching you work up their their family member who's died or you're trying to extricate a, a one of a family member under, you know, especially nowadays with all the social media and all the all the eyes on you, you know, so like if you can't handle that, then how I, you know, I can't anticipate you uh, handling the pressure of the real life incident. So that's what you got. And then as far as. Uh, shenanigans nonstop man nonstop. <laughs> i mean oh, I- from, oh geez uh i've drank all my coffee one time and i was like dude my coffee tastes a little funny and i look at the bottom of my coffee and there's a freaking just a bunch of bread or whatever like bagel toast i'm like oh this is great like onion <laughs> toast um they put cayenne pepper in the coffee grinder so then coffee's super spicy You're like oh geez <laughs> Um, oh, dude, I got my, <laughs> um, we're just making these herbal teas and stuff. So you got to watch your drinks and stuff because, uh, people will put uh, stuff in your drinks, drinks. So you just got to be careful there. But then uh, another tradition that we have at the fire department is, uh, it's called bucketing. Um, and it's just basically where you throw a bucket of water on someone, right? And it's around the station. Like if you unassumingly walk out a door or through a pole hole, and you're not looking up, you'll get bucketed. So that's just part of your situational awareness. That's how we stress learning. And uh, it's tradition to get bucketed when you promote or you leave. Uh, so when I was at 37s, I was sitting there. We were uh, on the deck at 37s. It was late at night. I had survived the bucketing. I was like, I haven't been bucketed. I'm good. These guys are not going to get me. <laughs> and I'm sitting there. We get We get a call. And then I was like, okay. And then my guards down. I came back and we're up on the patio again, me and another. And then all of a sudden, I got rocked in three different directions. I didn't even know where the water was coming from. And I was stoked. <laughs> and then, uh, I walked through the door after I get off the balcony. And then a thing of flour hits me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, and it's and it's just things like that, you know, that uh, go. I mean, we have, we have all day at the station. So, um, changing and doing that stuff. Uh, it's no big deal, but also, you know, you gotta be ready to work, you know, um, their fire doesn't know any times. Like I've changed toes at three in the morning, four in the morning, obviously I've had the sleepless nights where you're working, you know, while everyone's sleeping. So it just depends, but it's great camaraderie, great fun when you're around a good, good group of guys. 
um you sleep right next to each other it's literally like rescue me how you see it uh, a dorm <laughs> a room of open beds and you're all sleeping there dude uh, um i know if you sleep through a call like at nighttime you're up to cook next shift like that uh, little traditions like that um, <laughs> but i usually have like the rookie kick my bed and stuff like that you know so i don't uh don't sleep through any runs, but uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's so many shenanigans. Oh man, that's great stuff. I, I I love stuff like that, and it sounds like overall, I mean, you're obviously you're obviously living together, but it seems like because things can get so serious so fast that you almost got to have that camaraderie and that joking around, keeping things loose because. Uh, I mean, when you guys do go to work, it's it's generally very serious, and uh, you got to be able to kind of flip flip the script or turn the page and and uh, you know turn off the seriousness. Otherwise, you could be all stressed out. So I I love stories like that, especially uh, you know when it involves guys that that are doing some really great work and doing important work that that we need. So so that's fascinating stuff to me. I mean, to go from uh, joking around, putting coffee, you know pepper and guys coffee to all right hey we got to go it's time to go to work like that's uh it's always very fascinating to see that things change uh rather rapidly i should say uh in in moments in the firehouse yeah no you're absolutely right and it's a great coping mechanism for us you know because like you said that level of seriousness it can't be maintained that uh that stress level it, <laughs> it it's not healthy and um yeah so you hit the nail on the head there it's just got to go back and forth. And uh, that's how we do cope. Well, Jordan, we've covered some, you know, some of the looseness that goes on at the firehouse, some of the, the fun things. I mean, uh, we talked about kind of flipping the switch and having to go uh, put all that aside and go into a serious situation. Uh, I mean, so what, what is it like on those, those rides to, uh, to calls, whether it be a fire, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, a car accident, you guys generally know what you're what you're uh, being called to. But what is that ride like? I mean, is it is this just kind of like, hey, we've done this before? Is there an intensity, a stress level? What is it like? Take us uh, take us into those boots, if you will, uh, when you guys get a call and uh, have to get to work. So yeah, there's a we we get dispatched to a call, so we know the type of incident we are responding to. Um, there's automated alarms that go off. The medical calls, um, working in South LA and the high prevalence of comorbidities and uh, sick patients and the traumas I got from shooting, stabbings, multiple victims and stuff. Medical calls don't really uh, get my heart going too much as far as. Uh, I've been, I've done enough of them to know like, all right, this is the routine. This is what we got to do. It gets hectic and stuff and fast, but you know what to expect. The fire related calls are the ones that, you know, you never know what to expect, whether it's a traffic accident, whether it's the fire and depending like the LAFD, we have uh, standardized operating uh, guidelines. We call them SOGs. So whatever position you're riding that day depends on, what your job will be for that type of incident. So I remember going to many a fires, many uh, a traffic accidents or type of incidents, you star incidents, whatever they were. And oh, I gotta go. I gotta run. Got a call. Got a call. Okay, well, you go handle the call. We will. Uh, we'll get back to it when you when you get back, brother. Yeah, I'll give you a ring when I get back. All right, All right. bye.
Okay, he's back with us, Jordan Ross. You had to run off, uh, do a call. Was it anything, anything serious or uh, just uh, kind of routine? Uh, kind of routine, medical emergency. Some uh, PD was on scene, needing our assistance. Some uh, nutty person on the intersection there. Oh. Wow. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk on a podcast between, uh, you know, downtime during, while you're running off to calls. That's uh, man, appreciate much appreciated, man. No, you know, this is the best time because when I'm at home with the three kiddos, it's uh, it's game on more. There's no downtime. I come to work to rest. Actually, <laughs> it's uh, more rest at work than at home. That's for sure. As as you know, when you've been to my house, right? You've seen the, the madness <laughs> that ensues. The three little ones running around. Uh, it's a it's a precious time, precious moments, uh, man. I uh, know you know that, and just uh, good kids. It's great to see you guys doing so well with the family and everything. Uh, well, yeah. well, Jordan, you just ran off to to a, a situation there. Um, do you, are are those kind of typical? I mean, you you talked to me off the air a little bit about some of these things, but you know. The situations that, you know, the police is under tremendous scrutiny these days. Everything they do, uh, I just can't imagine being a police officer these days. I mean, what are some of the things that you see? Uh, I mean, you probably just saw something semi-related where, you know, all these people want to defund the police and take all that away. But, you know, who are you going to call in these situations where uh, the, the, the police normally handle? I mean, what are your general thoughts on all those things? No, no, you're... You're you're right. You're spot on. Um, I think you were saying about first the first part of your question as far as just leaving things and being able to uh, adapt right now. Right. Um, your your life at the fire station is good. You you have your routine that you do. Your maintenance, your checks. You keep busy at the station. Um, we're a city resource or a city entity that doesn't have janitors. You know. We're in charge of our own station. We take pride in our station, like our second home. You know, we're here basically 10 days out of the month at minimum. So we try to take pride in our station here at home. But uh, it's taught me patience, you know, to be able to start a project and then uh, leave that project to handle an emergency run. And it's also given me like, what's the word when you just want to go for it and just do it, you know? People hesitate and they waffle. They're like, oh, should I start this? Should I do this? And if I'm at the station and it's carried over into my personal life, yeah, let's do it, right? <laughs> let's start it. And then if we get interrupted, we get interrupted. But if we don't and we get a good six hours of uh, working towards our project, that's awesome. And that's the same thing at home you know, with the kids. I, I start a project and half the time, I, I'm, I kid you not, I feel like I just set up for the project chase them around, do whatever. And then, Oh, time to clean up. And I got absolutely nothing done, but <laughs> that, uh, the ability to just stick to that program and to, you know, go for it. I think that's what causes growth, you know? So that's, that's a good thing about the fire department. And then your second part, right. About defunding the police and stuff like that and the scrutiny that they're under. And, you know, um, yeah, I, I get, I get it. It's tough. Um, it is, uh, we work hand in hand with them. So there's situations where I, I do not envy their job. And, um, I know they all envy our jobs as firefighters. So either way, um, when 911 is called and the police have to respond to a myriad of calls and 
all the various calls that they get, you know, it's like they're the catch-all, they're the safety net. And um, I get it that they're, they want other resources and stuff, but to defund them, it, it, I don't agree with that. I don't think they should be defunded. They do a lot. They answer the call to anything that we, you as citizens, don't have a um, program for. It, it becomes a police or fire matter, you know, and we work hand in hand. I, I, I definitely uh, admire those guys in the blue, you know, and all the stuff they do. They keep us safe and uh, we have a good working relationship. So, well, I mean, you know, I would say most people love firefighters. You know, that that's kind of a general thing here, but uh, not everyone loves cops. Uh, you know, there's that. You guys have a friendly rivalry, I'm sure, you know, bravest versus the finest and, and all this and that. But at the end of the day, everyone's on the same team. So it's got to be tough for you guys to see kind of what your brothers are, are going through these days. And, and Jordan, what can you tell us about some of the experiences or maybe some stories of situations where you've worked hand in hand with them and have experienced things maybe that you didn't realize uh, they had to go through every day, whether it be, you know, treating a suspect or uh, just anything in general and seeing just how dangerous their job is and that many people will not understand what they have to go through in a daily life. You know, uh, I always wanted to be a firefighter, so that was my thing. I never wanted to be a cop. I I knew uh, just not even doing any research, just the ability or the job of a cop to hand out tickets and do that stuff, that, that just wasn't for me, you know. But I do work hand-in-hand hand with them. Uh, my time, definitely in South LA. Um, I had plenty of experiences with them. I have two that I kind of vividly remember. And, you know, there's, they, always, they always clear a scene for us. We've called for backup where um, we've had a belligerent individual get out of hand. And they're always right there to respond. We monitor their radio. They monitor ours, you know. And um, they, they, they will clear scenes for us with uh, violence. Uh, that have been noted, you know, and we got, get them on our trauma patients and stuff or shootings and whatnot. But the two that I specifically remember, there was one just south of the Coliseum, just south of uh, King there in, uh, yeah, just south of the Coliseum. And uh, it was a call. I was on the rescue with my buddy and it was a shooting and we we're just running around the neighborhood and PDs, uh, if you know, down south, the streets are very, uh, very linear, very straight uh, blocks. Like, you know, they're very, uh, it's a grid-like, right? So we're just cruising down, going to our call, and we stage for PD. Um, they're doing their thing. They're actually just trying to locate the call. And turns out we see a guy walking, and then uh, down the street, and this is like, you know, one in the morning, two in the morning, we just call. We go, hey, man, how's it going? You need anything from us? And then, uh, sure enough, he waves us in. We get out, and uh, he brings us to a door where uh, he was saying that his buddies were all jacked up, right? And um, we're knocking on the door there, and we're like, what's going on? And then they came in, and basically there's a tense situation, uh, and the people in the house were mad at the buddy that we found on the street brought us in. And they're like, oh, what are you bringing in here? Get these. And they were had uh obvious animosity towards the cops he's saying oh they're firefighters oh just bring them in bring them in and we were treating a, a stab victim with all these um basically i'm pretty sure they're gangbangers i'm not trying to they're gangbangers there you know um part of a local gang doing their uh 
rivalry or whatever, but this guy had got stabbed and they were, you know, they were talking about they're getting revenge and stuff and we're just there treating the patients and they're like, oh, the cops are running the streets and stuff. And here we are just trying to treat the patient and it ended up being like a treat and release. And the person didn't want to go and we had to call the hospital, but we were released and we really didn't uh, communicate with the cops too much. But by the time we left the scene, the cops were on the front yard, you know, trying to bang, bang their way in, right? And figure out who the assailant was. So that was one situation where like, okay, cops are definitely viewed different as firefighters. You know, firefighters, oh, come on into this situation. Cops are like, oh, we ain't letting no cops in, right? So that, I learned that early. And then um, there was another call that stands out. Um, and just to, just to give a viewpoint of, how you know experiences shape who we are who we become you know and everything we do and how we act and the and the preferences we have are all based on usually experiences if they're not learned you know by so we were on a call me again on the riding on the rescue in south la and it comes out as a I'm not sure what it came out. It's probably like as a stabbing again or another uh, assault or something. But basically, suspect was on the loose. And um, the notes on our little uh, MDT, our monitor, said uh, pursuit in progress. We were listening to the uh, police radio, and we could hear that they were on uh, a foot search for the suspect. They were actually out and running and we were just there. The birds were up, cars were flying by, police officers were flying by and we're just there staging, staging in a approximate location that would be convenient to respond. Right. And we get there, they had tackled the guy, basically I tackled him, brought it down, put him on cuffs and then they brought it, brought him over to us. And you know, there's a bunch of guys there. Metro police was there. Uh, Metro is like basically, there's LAPD, there's the Metro cops. Metro cops are like one step from SWAT. They're like all the guys that want to train to be SWAT. So they're all tacked out there. They're, so it was, a, it was a bigger incident all for this one uh, gentleman that, that we got. They apprehended after the long foot chase. He's all sweaty and stuff. And uh, turned out he was wanted for murder or something like that. And uh, basically my role was to treat the patient because he had just been slammed to the ground or tackled from this foot chase that he was done. So we had, uh, look, I looked at my partner as we had him in the back of the rig and I was like, Hey man, um, did, did, did anyone search him? And then my partner asked, Hey PD, can you guys search this guy? Uh, the assailant and I'm there sitting at the head of the, uh, the ambulance and basically PD ends up finally searching him and they find underneath his jeans, he has jeans and then he has shorts on it. And in his shorts, he has a knife. And that right there, that was like, oh, man, it's like, for me, that was eye-opening because, you know, I was like, hey, I don't know if we should search him. Maybe we should. And I threw it off my partner, like, hey, should we? But it turned out that there was a knife there. And, you know, our actions are just to keep us safe, you know, and PD's actions are just to keep us safe as well and themselves safe. So my night, I was naive to the situation, but I also know that, Hey, people do get stabbed. There are uh, regular, you pull people over um, and it can go south real bad, south real fast. So if you don't protect yourself or take the precautions, um, treating everything in the worst case scenario, you could get harmed yourself. So those were just two really big eye-opening things for me that uh, elevated just how we perceive our everyday job, you know, and how 
how bad it could get real fast if things were to escalate. You know, thank goodness I haven't been in that situation where um, uh, a fireman or a cop got seriously injured. So, but yeah, I mean, as far as defunding the police, as 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 here nor there, I have my opinions. I don't. I'm not. I don't want to get too political or whatnot. I'll, I'll talk hours and hours about it, but I didn't. I don't want to try to push an agenda that's a certain way. Sure, I absolutely understand that. I mean, I, I think Jordan, one thing you're talking about is an awareness. There's definitely an awareness because of the uh, because of your line of work with with experience. You you said you were a little naive and you saw some things. You're like, oh, this is eye opening. And I just wish the general public had more of that. They could see that uh, the police, when they pull someone over, every situation they go into, they have no idea. No, they know almost nothing about the person. They can run, you know, run their plates or do whatever, but still they have no idea if there's a weapon. And I would say, you know, uh, most times uh, there isn't, but it, all it takes is one time. And that, that, par- oh, yeah. you know, definitely. All that's all it takes. I mean, this was a suspect you had that he was involved in a chase with the police. They slammed him to the ground. They roughed him up because of, of uh, you know, him running and everything. And then, uh, yeah, he has a knife in there that, who knows could have used. So th- exactly. there's, there's extreme scenarios, but unfortunately, I mean, you know, this as a firefighter, you train for the, the, the uh, extreme scenarios because all it takes is one time of not checking something or not doing something that is routine that you forget about that things can go south in a hurry. And I think this attack on police, it's just, it's very frustrating because, uh, you know, I don't know what people want to be the alternative. I mean, you can't just, uh, you know, oh, say something's bad, get rid of it. It's like, whoa, 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 hang on. Let's let's look at the situation, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, with with some, uh, you know, just with some open eyes here. Uh, you know, so I wish more and more civilians got the opportunity to walk in the shoes of a police officer or just to see a few things more. Uh, and I know there's plenty of skeptics who are thinking the other way that they wish, you know, us civilians would, would see other things as well. Right. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you, you know, and, um, you know, it's the line of work of police and fire is like, when you go to your job, do you have the, is there a chance of getting shot? Is there a chance of getting burned? Is there a chance of being subject to an explosion? You know, like the, in, the, hair, the inherent risk of the jobs, they're there. And um, if you become complacent, um, that's when you, like you were saying, you get burned, you get injured, or another person, God forbid, like your partner gets hurt or something like mm-hmm. that. So um, just like you were saying, um, my experiences have shaped me into know that, hey, yeah, there's – there is uh there is a possibility for bad stuff to happen out there and i've been involved and i've seen the bad stuff but at the same time i i'm not like if for for the situation that's right now i'm not a black man you know so i don't know what it is to be profiled i don't know what it is to fit a description that you know um that they that would be just alarming or just would uh yeah, I just don't know what it's like to walk in their shoes. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's a it's a it's a fine line subject, you know. And uh, I think if we just uh, accept each other as human race, and you know, for our actions, and uh, try to get those stereotypes and preconceived notions out of our mind, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'll be better off, you know, at the same time, you can't, we can't be too sensitive. You know, there's, there's a reason why people act the way they do. And, uh, there's, you just got to meet people where they are. You know, it's, uh, it's not necessarily, I always, I always like to say it's not, uh, the person or it's not anything they have against you when something happens. It's just maybe what they're dealing with. And that's the same with the fire department. Like you go into work, this guy's being a total like dick or something. And you're like, dude, what's his problem? And you know, you never know what's going on in his home life. He may be losing custody of his kids. He may be yeah. going through a divorce, you know? And, uh, so that's, that, those are the things that I've learned growing up, you know, and being exposed, uh, to just kind of roll with and, you know, uh, yeah, the, the life experiences that I have that I, that I appreciate, you know? I, I think we can all learn from just life experience. I mean, you don't know as much now as you knew when you or thought you knew when you're 20 years old. That's just that's just oh, how yeah, yeah, that's just fat. I mean, that's just life, you know. So, uh, yeah, my eyes have been opened to a few different things that I wasn't aware of in my teenage years or early 20s and such. And so, so that's just life. And yeah, I'm with you, Jordan. I think uh, you know it would be nice if uh, if we. Uh, we're able to find some common ground. I think we will over time. It just may take a while. Uh, jo- Jordan, there's been a lot of, you know, rioting going on, a ton of protests, but unfortunately there's been some unfortunate, uh, you know, violence and uh, destruction of things in, in some riots and such. I mean, wh- what's it been like as a firefighter in Los Angeles the, the past couple of weeks? It has has have you guys been extra busy because of all this stuff, or is it just kind of kind of business as usual for you guys? I mean, it's a scary time to be out there for anyone. I can't imagine uh, being on call uh, for for some of the stuff that's been going on the past few weeks. No, you know the COVID stuff, the coronavirus stuff was the first stuff to come out for us that really altered how we operate uh, DHS, like the county protocol on. Um, just dealing with patients and all that type of stuff was uh, it's constantly evolving and changing. So basically it brought a little more our everyday generic calls, the run of the mill calls that, you know, we had down pat. We did so we've done for so many years, kind of, we had to think a little more, we had to be a little more methodical. Mm. So basically it, it, it draws from you is more, everyone's a little bit more on edge, you know, uh, we're wearing more PPE, obviously protective equipment, like our masks and our gla- and our goggles. And all that stuff for the coronavirus changed business as usual. We definitely, um, like I said, the calls just became more stressful because of that uh, uh, potential, you know. And then uh, for the rioting and stuff, I was on duty uh, working in Westwood when they started rioting down in Miracle Mile. Mm-hmm. Um, we were supposed to move up for a tactical tax force, you know, and uh, basically our we were busy at the time when our move up was designated and our truck ended up going downtown and they were there all night helping out with downtown, uh, basic, uh, riding or looters that would, that would be down there, you know? And, uh, for that, you know, it's just, it is what it is. It's definitely not as worse as the 92 riots, right? Uh, Rodney King, it wasn't as bad as, uh, that down in South LA, but it was, uh, we, our tactics changed to, to focus on safety, uh, when just on heightened alert as far as our best and um, the PPs that change for that, but no, um, it wasn't. It, it was just a miracle mile in that that sense, and then uh, just keeping your head on a swivel and staying in pairs. You know, that's all it is, because all it takes is one, one knucklehead to kind of throw something into our engine or you know try to 
graffiti, you know, or do whatever they want to do that, uh, that it, within that mob mentality, they have a little more courage to do that. So it's just being on uh, a little more alert, but we had the national guard in Westwood pretty fast and everything got boarded up after uh, miracle mile hit that Friday night. So we were pretty much protected and, you know, uh, no, nothing too crazy. A couple fires and rubbish fires that extended into some houses, but nothing, nothing out of the ordinary where it was uh, crazy. Well, that's uh, that's good to hear. I mean, I, I always think of you know all the law enforcement and the firefighters, everyone who's got to deal with this stuff uh, one way or another, and, and it's uh, it's some scary thoughts because I have plenty of friends in law enforcement and then plenty of friends like you in in the fire department. So. Uh, it, it's good to hear that it didn't get too carried away. You guys weren't too, uh, too overworked with some of that stuff. Cause it's just, it's just also unfortunate. I, I hope that uh, things die down soon and, uh, you know, no, no more people are hurt. Uh, and, and that you guys again, stay safe out there because you guys got a pretty tough job, man. I know people joke about you guys just sitting around the firehouse, but you know, it's moments like we're in now where everyone needs to uh, realize that, the uh, first responders, the the law enforcement and, and firefighters, uh, you guys, we couldn't do it without you. We just couldn't. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate that. Thanks, Matt. And then, you know, I think PD, PD's job is hard, man. They always have videos on them and they're the ones that are kind of like in, in all these protests. They're the ones that are in the uh, in the crosshairs. You know, we're just there to respond and help and uh yeah, so I feel for them, and I, I'm here to keep them safe. But, yeah, like you said, being able to respond at a moment's notice and being able to perform at that notice, you know, people expect – people will yell at you when someone's dying, you know, and they don't – they want you to act now. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So the pressure does get high, and uh, but that's why we train, and, you know, uh, yeah. I think <laughs> I think the eyes of what a firefighter sees – like, my wife gets me all the time. You're saying, it's like – do something, move. Like if there, she thinks there's an emergency at home, I mean, maybe in her eyes it's an emergency, but I'm just sitting there. It's fine. You know, I, I, it's okay. Trust me. Everything's going to be okay. She, she expects me to jump up faster than normal, you know? And uh, believe me when, when there's a situation with the kids, like when something happens, I'm there, I'll know when to jump in, but she always gets on me like, Oh, you didn't even respond fast enough. You know? And I was like, Oh, you don't, you know, everything was fine that's, that's nothing we're good we're good here so the, the the perspective is different but at the same time you know i definitely respect the those those officers <laughs> that's funny stuff jordan because I, I can just picture her telling you those things uh that's funny oh, yeah. you know you know what the you you know how to respond or when to respond that's that's hilarious stuff i i would love to have her on the program uh also to also give her side of some of these things in living with you now for a few years and the fact that you guys got three kids that's beautiful stuff <laughs> yeah yeah so no it's all good <laughs> well yesenia you know she has she works on kind of the police side of things. She's a civilian member of the command staff for a police department. So she kind of gives you that side of the, of how things operate, I'm sure. And so you guys have kind of a, a good understanding of, of both departments, I'd say. And, and I'm sure she can, uh, you know, you know, express to you a lot of the concerns of, of police departments and also just give you some ideas of the things they go through. So I'm sure it's a very hand in hand, you know, marriage you guys have the fact that, you know, you both are doing something where uh, you're helping other people in one way or another. 
Yeah, no, no, no. I definitely uh, admire what she does and she brings home. She's the financial uh, side of the department, you know, so when they talk about defunding or, uh, you know, cutting cutting the funding for the police, she knows what that looks like and what that translate in, translates into mm-hmm. as far as uh, officers off the street, uh, lack of coverage or uh, safety equipment, you know. So she she works on that aspect and, you know, like I said, it it, it takes uh, – and, and the thing about the police and fire, we make things work, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, with whatever resources we're given, we make things work. And at the end of the day, we're – it's a very uh, personal profession. You're – I respond to a call for someone, and I'm there to help them. Police are the same way. They respond to a call. Someone calls them because they need help, and they, they're there to help, you know. And at the end of the day, you realize that it's still relationships – um, that you're doing, you're not just handling incident five four four. You know, you're you're not just uh, doing doing uh, standardized procedures for um, a generic thing. You know, it's you're dealing with people. Every it's every situation's different. Everyone, you're trying to meet people in their place. You know, and uh, really try to make an impression on these people. Uh, these people, when I say these people, I mean like the ones you respond to, those uh, ones who are in need of nine one one assistance. So. Police do that. I know I, I working with LAPD, I, I'm impressed with them and the, the cameras that they have, all that stuff. And for us ourselves, you know, I've had I've actually had run ins with uh, fire department from my local where I live in Upland. And I, man, the stuff that they do, I was I, it wouldn't fly in the city of Los Angeles. So the city of L.A. does a good job, you know, and uh, that's how it should be. But, hey, there's bad apples everywhere. And uh you just got to try to be a good one. <laughs> oh, Jordan. Well, I can't say it enough, brother. I mean, it's, it, you guys do great things. Uh, the fire department, uh, police department, uh, nothing but appreciation from, from me and this program. Uh, I just, I love talking with uh, guys about this stuff and finding out information and getting some insight from it. So it's just, it's incredible stuff. And we can't thank you guys enough. Although, although we sure should try out there to uh, every single day uh, to show our gratitude for all you guys. Um, I want to say, in- oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Oh yeah, for sure. My man. Uh, well, well, Jordan, um, just a couple more things here as we wrap it up, but you know, we had an opportunity to be high school teammates and it was a fun time. I thought our class was very tight knit. Uh, it was just a few of us. We came from a very small school, but you know, what, what are some of your fondest memories from our group of guys and just our our, I don't know, our, our days in high school, but then how kind of we're, it's been a while. It's been 17 years since we graduated high school yet. We still have this bond and this friendship uh, that, yeah, maybe we saw each other more in our college years, but everyone goes off into their own life too. So, uh, you know, just what are your thoughts on, I guess, uh, our high school days? Cause when we were playing ball, that was all that mattered. Right. And now there's other priorities and everything too. And, and we move on, but, uh, you know, we still stay in touch and, uh, still have that bond, uh, for all time, really. Yeah, no, I, I think there's so many great high school memories. Um, there's so many great junior high memories, uh, the experiences we got, whether, I mean, who could say that they've been to Europe, like Italy, Alaska, <laughs> all these places we've been to. And we've had different things, getting lost in Germany, all these different crazy <laughs> stories, you know, shooting BB guns in Italy. So we definitely have great experiences that we can always draw back from. But the thing that I appreciate most is the ability to just work on the friendships for right now, you know, mm-hmm. um, the time you put in 
you know, me and you outside of this uh, podcast or whatever, the time that and the effort that it takes. I really appreciate that now, knowing just how busy people are and um, all that all that goes into being a good friend, you know, and I, I try to do that. But uh, like I said, it's, that's the thing that I appreciate most um, and the foundation that we have. Yeah, we have these common threads and memories that kind of bond us together and things, talking points, right? <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's uh, it's what time are we doing to put into our friends now? So that's what I've learned now, especially with like couples, relationships, all that type of stuff. It's all, <laughs> it's all, it's all there. You know how it is, right? Yeah. I think uh, there's no shortcuts to it. No, no, not at all. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. It's just, I can't imagine growing up any other way than, than we did, you know, and playing year round sports together and traveling in the summers. And then, you know, college, you, you stop playing and that changes a little, but you just have new, new direction and new paths. I had a tough time kind of uh, walking away from, from being on a team and playing sports together. Cause uh, I just have a million and one memories. I mean, you, you running the, running the ball in football, you, nope. uh, you know, you, you, <laughs> you always tease me in huddles because I never quite spoke, uh, you know, accurately. I guess. No, I- we always had a huddle after the huddle. <laughs> there was a second huddle. You weren't, you were already gone up there. Come on, let's get up there. I'm like, what the, you gotta know what play we're running, even on defense. <laughs> secondary huddle. Me and Landon. Me and Landon had secondary huddles on offense and defense, and then even like uh, the receivers. Yeah, uh, the, this is comedy. Looking back, and it's just it, it is it is great memories, you know. And what else? Like, uh, but no, I think I think Rio has adapted as well to be busy, you know, uh-huh. and keep pushing to what's next, you know, and uh, we that that's kind of how it is and like you said we find our way in other things so yeah it's it's been quite a journey man and i'm just impressed by all the things you've done that you've uh, achieved and you know couldn't be happier for you and yesenia you guys got three great kids uh, you both come from great families and uh you know just it's so fun to see your friends do well and to uh still interact with them here and there even though they're busy people and just talk about uh Talk about life because we're all going through this together. Uh, we all have our different avenues and such, but it's just fun to uh, have people uh, to go through all that with and grow up with and just uh, grow together with. So, Jordan, it's been so much fun, man. Uh, I can't say it enough. I, I wish we could talk more, uh, hang out more, but, you know, life life happens, and we'll find some time here in the near future to uh, maybe get together. Yeah, dude, definitely. I think what uh, – I mean, football is not coming around, but – you know, you know where I live, so it's always open. <laughs> you're real, you're real close, and uh, yeah, we're not too far from each other these days. So, uh, man, give my best to you, Sanya. Uh, you know, hey, Julia, Juliana, Maddox, and Zatlin, uh, three great, yeah. great kids. Love them all, man. They're growing fast. Um, you know, your your uh, your parents, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Ross, are always uh, memories for me. Uh, growing up and, and seeing them is always great. So, uh, my best to everyone, man, and to all your your brothers and sisters out there. Uh, firefighters, man, uh, nothing but uh, love and support for you guys. You guys are doing a great job and uh, just stay safe out there, man. No, thank you, man. I appreciate it. I'll, I will do. I'll say hi. I'll say what's up to everyone. And uh, yeah, man, don't be a stranger. <laughs> uh, we'll see you soon. All right, man. You take care, Jordan. All right, Maddie. Bye.
Once again, another thank you to my good friend, Jordan Ross. Really appreciate your friendship, my brother, and just appreciate all you do for the city of Los Angeles and all the citizens out there. You and your fellow firefighters, you do great work. We appreciate you. We appreciate the law enforcement people you work with. And just thank you for your service, man. It's uh, America and uh, all, all the states around our country could not do it without you. So thanks again, Jordan. I hope to see you really soon and your wonderful family. It'd be great to hang out real soon. Hopefully when uh, everything gets settled down here in the very near future. Well, guys, tomorrow is Wednesday, and that means our good friend Bill Barnes is back again. He spent the 4th of July weekend out of town, so I'm sure he will have some things to talk about uh, on his journey. We are going to discuss Major League Baseball. Their schedule came out recently, so we'll dive into that a little bit. There's going to be plenty of uh, content and comments on Governor Newsom and some uh, (laughs) some of the things he tried to uh, mandate over the weekend, I'm sure. Uh, but anyway, Bill is always a pleasure to listen to the retired police officer and recently retired college baseball umpire has plenty of strong opinions. Can't wait to uh, have him back again on Wednesday. He's been, uh, you know, a, a solid piece of uh, our show, uh, since, uh, well, not quite the beginning, but right around when we started bringing people on. So I wouldn't have it any other way. Really enjoy having Bill on on Wednesday. So he will be back tomorrow for his segment, the weekly Wednesday weigh in. Well, guys, as always, there's plenty of ways to follow the get home safe podcast. Our Twitter handle is get home safe pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is get home safe podcast. And our email address is get home safe podcast at yahoo.com. Feel free to reach out to us under any of those platforms. If you like to use the Anchor app, and if you don't use the Anchor app to listen to us, uh, you know what? There's a great feature on there. I keep talking about it, but you can leave a voice message. You can go to our podcast, go to the top. It's like a turquoise kind of light green uh, button uh, that you can click on. It says messages with a with an addition sign, a plus sign on there. Click on there. You can leave a quick 10 second, 20 second, however long you want, uh, a little a question, a, a rant, whatever, anything you want to do. Let's let's bring in more people to include them. Make this very uh, listener-friendly, fan-friendly. Include all you guys, anything you want to do. We, we really appreciate people uh, listening, but this is an opportunity also to get involved, uh, to have some questions, have some content come up. Just uh, we can start some discussions, and I think it would be a, a lot of fun if more people uh, use that uh feature again on the anchor app or the anchor website anchor.fm we run our podcast through the anchor uh, app and uh, anchor website as you're well aware it makes it really easy for someone like me who is absolutely uh, completely non-tech savvy (laughs) to uh, run a podcast I still struggle but I keep showing up every day just to try to improve and, and anchors with me every step of the way wherever you listen to our podcast Apple Spotify iTunes whatever you wherever you listen to it we appreciate it you don't have to come on here to leave a voice message but I think it would be a lot of fun if more people did so and uh, we really got some fun conversations going we look forward to Bill Barnes tomorrow thanks again to Jordan Ross best of luck uh, in everything that's going on my best to you and your family I hope to see you very soon my friend guys tomorrow Bill Barnes will be here for the weekly Wednesday weigh-in really excited about that as always but guys whatever you're doing whether you're out on the town or around in third base get home safe